You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Life Groups Minister, Del Matthews. Today's reading is from Matthew 13, verses 47 to 52. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. He said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, today we're finishing up a series that Jesus gave us, a series of parables on the kingdom of heaven. We've learned that a parable is a fictional story with a deeper meaning. And we've learned that the kingdom of heaven is for anyone who has a heart open to God. We've also learned that the kingdom of heaven is to be treasured above all else. Nothing else can give happiness in the same way. Well, some years ago, I lived in Indonesia, and while I was learning the language, I I sat in on a class at the university because I was going to have to teach at the university when I finished learning the language. One day I turned up to class and I found out they were going to have an exam. Now, I don't recall any announcement being in class, it could have been my language, but you can imagine how hard that felt because my language was still poor to have to sit an exam that I had not prepared for. I was not happy. In my experience of working in higher education, the announcement of an exam is not a popular one. But if teachers don't announce it and don't give students plenty of warning, then the students are even less happy. Despite the, um, the amount of study that some students do and some people don't do, no one wants to be caught off guard. Now, if we come to this story in our series, it addresses a topic that's too important to ignore. It's like an exam. We would rather not think about it, but we'd be more unhappy if we, were, if we weren't given a chance to prepare. And Jesus wants us to have that chance to prepare. Now, this story raises some difficult questions that I find that many of us have, whether you've been a Christian for a very long time or whether you're visiting at this church today. But bear with me, the answers are worth hearing. Now, in our series, we also learned that it is possible to hear a story and not really hear the meaning. It is possible to hear and not understand. 
Jesus' meaning in our story today is really important to understand. So I'd like to take a moment now and pray and ask God to help us all to understand. Let's pray. Lord God, we want to hear your deeper meaning in this story today. We pray that you would open our ears to hear what you have to say and what you really want us to understand from this story. Be with me as I speak this morning. Amen. Now, who doesn't love a good story? Especially when there's more than just a quick surface meaning. We've a, we love a mystery to solve or we love something with a moral at the end of it. Jesus finished talking about the kingdom of heaven actually with two more short stories that we're going to look at today. Now Jesus' parable is clearly about some sort of separation of good from bad. And as the story goes, fishermen have been working out with a net. Um, at the end of the day, they pull the net up onto the beach and they sort out the fish, those that were saleable and those which were not. Most of us can relate to, to eating fish, but not everyone has experience fishing. However, most of us do understand how a dragnet works. In any case, Jesus is not trying to comment on the method of fishing, although let me say, Fishing back then was usually fully sustainable. No plastics, no nasties, just fish coming up in the fish in the net. Now, it's easy to hear a simple story about sorting fish, but we all recognise that there's a deeper meaning and it's got something to do with judgement. Who is in and who is out? Maybe it's the bit about the blazing furnace and the weeping and gnashing of teeth dead giveaway that the parable is probably about judgment. And maybe you've been thinking something like, that idea sounds so medieval, or like something out of a horror movie. Medieval artists and preachers like to emphasise the horror of judgment by taking the story literally. So they did drawings like this one. And when it comes to parables, we need to avoid taking the elements literally we need to look for a deeper meaning. And we're not fish, we're not expecting to turn into fish, so let's avoid caricatures of judgment and hell as well. The message of this parable is that the fate of the wicked will be horrific. That's all we can read into the idea of furnaces and weeping and gnashing of teeth. Or maybe you're thinking, how could a good God contemplate throwing someone into a blazing furnace? Doesn't he love us all? Now I'll come back to that question because it's an important one to consider. Or perhaps you're thinking, yes, I know a few people in this world who should be thrown into a furnace. Maybe one or two world leaders or some hardened criminals like drug dealers or robbers or worse. But Jesus makes it clear in other places that we should not judge others. In this story, we are the fish, not the fishermen. Now, the second parable that we heard today uh, is a situation that most of us can relate to, a homeowner or even a renter who furnishes their house with old and new treasures. Now, my home is only four years old and I have a mixture of furniture, a mixture of things like things that are old, like my grandmother's hall stand and new things, things that she would not recognise, like my computer. The old can be a foundation for the new, like this couch. My parents bought this before I was born, 
and the base is still solid and good, but the mattresses and the cushions are new. The old mattress and cushions just didn't stand up to a family growing up. In this parable, Jesus reminds us that even though his teaching is new and revolutionary, it is grounded in a plan that God has had from the beginning of time. It is an old treasure. The old is still relevant, just as the old base of my couch is still good to carry the new mattresses and cushions. So let's explore what is meant by the first parable about judgment. Let's look at it first from the old. Now, old for Jesus and for his audience was the Old Testament. So what does the Old Testament have to say about judgment? Well, firstly, we learn that judgment will happen. We already see God's work of judgment throughout the Old Testament, but it's small scale and relates either to individuals like a bad pharaoh or to a single nation like Israel. Now, that kind of judgment is like our justice system today, when only someone accused of a crime comes before a judge, or perhaps a nation before a war tribunal. But judgment in the Old Testament was bad, and those who were judged were oppressors. They were despots. They were people that we all agreed should be stopped. But in the Old Testament, we also see that God is planning a day of judgment in the future, And the judgment that will take place will be for all the world, not just a couple of nations or individuals. A day of judgment is coming. Secondly, we see in the Old Testament that God is the judge. He is said to be a God of justice and of love and mercy. Now, a just God must see that justice is done and that evil people do get punished. That's the most loving thing for the victims. And just like victims today who want to have their day in court, they want closure and they want an end to their suffering. So the promise of a day of reckoning in the future when oppressors and evildoers will get their just, um, just desserts gives hope to those who are being oppressed, to the innocent victims. Victims can see that God loves them. But if God is also loving to the evildoers, Now, again and again in the Old Testament, we find that God wants to delay his judgment to give people time to repent. Not only does God give them plenty of time to turn from their evil, he also gives them plenty of warning and makes it very clear what their problem is. There are lots of books in the Old Testament written by prophets that God sent to warn people who are heading for punishment. Their problem they turned away from God and what he wanted them to do. God did not want them worshipping idols and he did not want to see oppression and brutality against anyone. Now, when it comes to a criminal coming before a court or a nation before a war crimes tribunal, we all want justice to be done. We want the truth to be known and the perpetrators to be punished. But when it comes to people like ourselves, being judged, we get a bit uncomfortable about the idea of judgment. Maybe we think only think about justice in terms of crime. So that gets us back to the question of how could a loving God throw anyone into a blazing furnace? A criminal maybe, but what about people like us who haven't committed a crime? 
Well, we've all fallen short of God's perfection and glory. We may not have murdered someone, but we've all been angry or hated someone. We may not have committed a major robbery, but we've all been greedy. We may not have committed fraud, but we've all lied. God does not use Australian law as his standard. He uses his own perfection. We've all done wrong. But God is loving. He doesn't want to punish anyone who is truly sorry for their wrongdoing and turns back to him and to doing right. That's what repentance is, and God is patiently waiting for us to repent. Now, you parents understand this. You really want your kids to do what is right and will give them plenty of warning when they are doing something wrong. You want them to be sorry for the wrong things they do because you love them and you don't want them growing up getting away with things that are wrong and hurting others. God's judgment is also shows love to those who are doing wrong. The Old Testament tells us that God, as judge, will do what is right and no one will question his judgment. Now, our judges today don't always get it right, so we have to build into our justice system a possibility for appeal. But with God, everyone will agree he has made the right and only judgment. There will be no need for appeal. God is a just and loving judge. We can trust his decisions. And thirdly, in the Old Testament, we get a glimpse of a way out. Now, there is a blazing furnace in the Old Testament. The Babylonian Empire had taken the Israelites captive. In the book of Daniel, we find out that the Babylonian king had built an idol and ordered that everyone, including the Israelites, bow down to worship that idol. But three Israelites refused to bow down and worship the idol. They knew that would not please God. And even though they knew the risks involved, they didn't obey the king. It was far more important for them to worship God than an idol made by human hands. Well, they were thrown into the furnace. The king ordered it to be made seven times hotter than usual. And there's no way they could survive that sort of heat. And we've been close enough to bushfires to understand that. As the Babylonians, including the king, watched on, they could see four, not three people, walking around inside the furnace. The king was amazed and called for the prisoners to come out of the furnace. And more amazing, they were completely untouched by the heat. No singed hair, no scorched clothes. They didn't even smell of smoke. We've already learnt that God is planning a final day of judgment and as a loving God, he will bring justice and freedom for victims. But in his love, he is holding out to give all the wrongdoers a chance to repent and turn to him. Now, we don't know exactly who that fourth person was, but we also know that God has sent, it gives us a hint that God will send us a rescue. He will send us a saviour and a way out. So Jesus encouraged us to look at the parable with, from both the old and the new perspective. We've looked at it from the Old Testament and what that has to say about judgment. So now it's time to see what's new and what Jesus has to say and see if that stacks up with the old. 
So firstly, Jesus agrees with it that a day of judgment will happen at the end of the age. Now, the term age in history refers to an era, a period of time. It's not necessarily a fixed period of time. And we've just seen the end of the Elizabethan age. Nobody knew how long that would be until the queen died. In the parable of the sorting of the fish happened at the end of the day's fishing. But at the beginning of the day, no one knew when exactly that would be. Elsewhere, Jesus refers to the end of the age as a time when he will be coming again. We don't know exactly how long it will take, but we do know it will happen. Jesus also tells us that everyone will be judged, including Christians and those who have died. The whole world will be accountable to God. Every fish in the net had to be sorted. Now, there are all kinds of fish in the net, those who are edible and those that were not. Jesus wants us to know that everyone will be included. At the beginning of this series, we talked about the parable of the sower. Jesus likened our hearts to how receptive they were to God with soil. Seeds can't grow in hardened soil. And we sometimes refer to criminals as being hardened criminals. These are people who refuse to change no matter what rehabilitation program they attend. A hardened criminal will always go back to, their, to repeat their crime, but their crime is something against Australian law. As I said, the Bible tells us we've all done things wrong, whether it's something minor like telling a lie or holding a grudge, or it could be a major crime. But in the Bible, the wicked are not only those who end up in jail. The wicked are people who have done wrong in their lives but have not repented. The wicked refuse to change and have not turned to God. Like a hardened criminal, they'll always go back to do the same wrong things. Now, we may not be criminals, but we can be hardened wrongdoers, refusing to turn to God with our small wrongs. The righteous, though, are those who know their shortcomings and rely on God for his mercy and his forgiveness. They turn away from doing what is wrong. They want to change and know that Jesus, through Jesus they can. Now maybe you're thinking, what about those who haven't heard about God or Jesus? What about the babies and the small children? How will God judge them? Which group will they end up in? Well, the second thing we see Jesus telling us is that God initiates a sort, the sorting of righteous people from those who refuse to turn to him. In this parable, Jesus says that God will send the angels to do the sorting, but it's still God, the same one from the Old Testament, who is just and loving, who has initiated this judgment. Now, those fishermen were professionals. They knew their job. They wouldn't be making any mistakes. And just like the fishermen, God will be completely fair. In the book of Romans in the New Testament, we learn that he will judge us on what we know. People who know the Bible will be judged against that. But people who haven't had a chance to know about God, like babies, will not be judged at what, um, against what God says in the Bible. God will do the right thing for every single one of us, 
including the youngest child, who has no chance of learning about Jesus yet. Our law in Australia is a blunt instrument. Now, we saw that over lockdowns when border closures not only locked out COVID, they locked out school children from holidaying with their parents. They locked out families from attending a funeral or caring for someone who is sick and so on. Unlike our law, God judges us completely fairly and compassionately. He will not use a blunt instrument on us because he knows us individually and he loves us. None of us need reminding that there is evil in the world. We see it constantly on our screens, in our lives. But the same God of the Old Testament will put it right. A couple of weeks ago, we heard another parable Jesus told where an enemy spread weed seeds in a field of wheat. The owner of the field let both the weeds and the wheat grow up together and he didn't separate them until harvest. Although you would expect that he could have pulled the weeds out as soon as they sprouted. Because he's loving, Jesus wants everyone to turn to him, so he's holding off punishing evil. We see evil alongside good today. But because he is just, there will come a day of harvest, a day of sorting, when we can be sure that justice is done and evil will be punished. Now, thirdly, God loves us all so much, he sent a saviour. He sent us a fourth person to rescue us. And the Bible tells us that Jesus died taking the punishment for all our wrongdoing. Jesus took all our lies, our greed, our anger, all our wrongdoing. He descended to hell, basically. He went to the furnace for us. But crucially, he rose again. By doing that, he totally defeated evil. Evil couldn't hold him in death. Evil couldn't hold him in the furnace. So if Jesus came to save the whole world, why does there still need to be a separation of good from the evil? Won't we all be saved? Now, in a severe bushfire or some other natural disaster, someone who won't accept an offer of rescue has to take the consequences of their decision. And Jesus tells us in another message that anyone who rejects him and his words will have to face the consequences of that decision. In this story of the fish, he tells us the consequences will be horrific. In both the Old Testament and the New Testament, the wicked are those who do not turn to God and don't take up his offer of forgiveness and rescue. The wicked are hardened, refusing to change, and will always return to their wrongdoing. But in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, we learn that God can and will forgive any wrongdoing, no matter how minor or how bad it is. Judgment is a positive thing when we can be assured that God will finally deal with all the evil around us. He will punish those who do wrong and refuse to turn to God. But in his patience, he gives us all a chance to turn to him. And in his love, he has provided a saviour, Jesus. Jesus makes it clear all through his life that all we need to do is believe in him and what he has said. If we believe in Jesus, we won't be condemned. We will end up in the right basket. That's what God wants for all of us. That's why he, we can say that he is both just and loving.
If we do turn to Jesus and believe in him, then we have hope. We're promised eternal life. And that will be a life without, with all the evil gone. It will be a life filled with joy and love, with all the pain and suffering gone. Well, after telling this parable, Jesus asks his disciple a question. Have you understood all these things? He asks us too. He asks if we have understood the deeper meaning, what this means for our lives. Jesus asks you and I, have you understood all these things? Do you understand that Jesus loves you deeply and came to save you? Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.